I like it. I like it. Clapping church. I like a lot of setup. If I can't, I want to take you down memory lane. Can we, since we're doing the doing their memory lane, can I drag you, jog you down to memory lane for just a little bit as we finish out Jesus and William? So pumped about getting to what if next week. And uh, you know what? The whole just what if we allowed God into every single part of our lives. And I know everybody's radical. I don't. I do not mean it under the banner of like, what if you really followed Jesus? I'm not that kind of guy. Okay. Um, you know, because I realize you're here in the rain, you're radical, you're servants, you're, you're awesome hearted, and you know what, I celebrate you right there, and we're so uh, excited about what God is doing through each and every person here, but you know what, I've realized, no matter how my life is with Jesus, you know what, I find that every day is a day of growth, and every, every day is a next step, and you know what, I find out sometimes, you know what, the, that I, I, I'm, I'm grateful, man, for so many things God has done. But sometimes I'm not grateful for some people that put themselves in my way. You know what I mean? You call them enemies. Um, you know, people that just like you, don't like you for no good reason. And you know what? But there's a gratefulness still to rejoice right there. You know, and I, sometimes, you know, we share the stories about, a, about generosity and about giving. But you know what? Sometimes it does, it's not all that easy to be giving and generous. And, but you know what? Jesus says give and we receive. So what if we just embrace what I'm saying? What if we just embrace not when we feel it? But just because we believe it in every single area. What if we embrace gratefulness even when nobody else sees anything to be grateful for, but because of our connection with Jesus, we realize we can walk in gratefulness. What if we, what if we came to the place, what if we just challenged and encouraged ourselves just a little bit further in believing that, you know what, God is not just faithful when I feel it, He's faithful when I don't feel it. You know, it's, it's a nonstop progression is what I'm saying. And I want to take you back down memory lane just a little bit. That's next week. But this week, I remember... I remember some of the first miracles I was ever a part of. Anybody ever seen like a real live, hands-on, right there in your face miracle? Awesome. Awesome. I love that. I remember, I'm going to take you down some of the very first miracles. And I remember it goes back to some youth uh, pastoring days with a drama team. And the drama practices at that time, they, the way of life was so different then than it is now. Because then, at that time, when we were starting drama things, we didn't have this wonderful comparison tool called YouTube or social media or anything else. Uh, I mean, we had, like, we had like a phone line literally plugged into the back of the computer. Remember that? And you got like 33K, you were smoking 33.6. You know, don't forget the point six. And it was just awesome because it jumped off at 14.4K. And if you ever hit 52, man, we were like in the new age when it hit 52K. And the computer, it went from going, to going, you know, it got faster. It was exciting. If you were on Napster in that day, anybody remember Napster? Yeah. The greatest tool that ever taught us how to pirate music, you know. Until they took it off the market or something. And you could see other places that... um, People had like these things called cable or DSL or T1 connection. And while I'm downloading my song, it's three minutes, but it's taking me 35 minutes. And I'm waiting on this so I can download next. If you do two at a time, you might as well just go on a vacation. Um, and I'm watching other people. Like you can see how fast they're, they're downloading all these other people. And if they got like a cable internet connection back in that day, it was like, I don't know. It seemed like theirs was going to like 0.3 seconds and mine was going like in 0.3 days, you know in the same amount of time and I remember so what I'm saying is this the only search engine I remember in that day was actually Yahoo and are you who how we pronounce it then it was just Yahoo and some of us were still on AOL you know we were just so excited to hear that thing say you got mail you know 
And so as we're rolling through those days, what we would do is we'd go online and we would just search church youth dramas, drama skits, you know. And then all you could find was just document after document after document. And some were good, some were bad, but all you had to do was read through them. You had nobody that had, you couldn't see where anybody had already done it. So you couldn't compare yourself with anybody. You couldn't follow anybody. Could you imagine a life that you did not have the luxury of seeing everybody else's highlight reels to compare yourself with to know what you should be? Could you imagine? Could you imagine like living in the days before Photoshop and having to feel like I don't meet up and I don't add up and the, the days before? Could you imagine? Wow. Glory days. But anyway, so since we did not have time to compare all we knew to do was pray. Literally. And so what would happen is beginning and end, every time, it was everybody's going to pray. All 15, 20, 25 people as the, the things progressed. And it wasn't like, a, you know what, if you're not comfortable praying, squeeze your hands. Like, oh no, we're all in. Just sucker, get up, boot up. You came here for the first day. I know you need Jesus. You're an atheist. You're going to pray with us. You know, it was just, it was going to happen. And it was not, it was not weird or anything. It was just like assumed. I know the environment I came into and here's where we go. So everybody would pray. And, but the beautiful thing was, as we would open in prayer, they would pray for crazy things. It was not like, Lord, bless my family and help us graduate, make good grades, and help me not punch my brother in the face. It wasn't stuff like that. It was like they were praying like, and God reached this city and flipped my school upside down and raised me up as a man and woman of God that the world has never seen what you can do. Lord God, man, I see 25 people get saved in my school. It was nuts kind of stuff. It was crazy. It was awesome. And so sometimes while there was practicing also, what would happen is the result of the prayer is people would be radically saved sometimes in the practice. I remember my, 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 my truck driving cousin come through and he landed on the day we had rehearsal and he was coming through town and he stopped and he sat. And after sitting in for a couple, just watching them practice and, you know, when you're practicing, anything goes. When you're rehearsing, you get all the errors and all the uncuts and it's all the, you know, a little bit of different times working through and like, oh, I didn't say that right. It's all, all that. What I'm saying, it's not professional. And so, and he walks outside and I remember my dad walked up and was like, what's going on? He's like, I, I got to get out of there. And like, what's going on? He's like, I, I need Jesus, <laughs> you know, and he gets convicted in the practice and he gives his life to the Lord and, and life turns around. I can remember other times that we'd be practicing and I remember it result, it would result in the main role person just weeping and broken and just repenting uh, because it was just midstream, just all of a sudden the presence of God would land and all of a sudden they come under such conviction and it would just move on everybody. It was all uh, the most memorable time for me was when God began moving on what I considered to be the most unlikely person. It was honestly a person I didn't even want in it, I, and I was kind of the lead on it, and I didn't want them in around there. All they, all they ever had was their opinion and their attitude and their complaints. You know, and nobody did anything good enough. You know, they were, the, they were going to get everybody in shape, and I didn't want them anywhere around, but everybody else felt sorry enough to like, we need to, you know, we need to keep working with her. We didn't keep trying. And so the result was, though, I remember, I remember where she got broken. I remember midstream is near the end of practice and where God just overwhelmed her and convicted her. And she just began repenting and asking forgiveness and confession to everybody. And I, I, I kid you not, we're 20 years later or 18 years later. So, and to this day, other than my wife, is probably the most, most faith-filled, most compassionate, most godly-reflecting lady I know. Is the, the, the transition, the transformation is 
was unbelievable and still just radically given. Though it seems like so many rocks thrown at her all the time. Even though those moments were, uh, uh, to be quite honest, were normal events, I remember the very first miracle. Physical miracle. And what is it, I'm sharing about Holy Spirit times, but what is it about praying for the Holy Spirit to move on someone is like, cool, yeah, that's awesome. God can do it. Get them, Jesus. And we can pray. But a physical miracle can sometimes be a struggle of belief. And we end up hiding behind words like, God, if it's your will, you know. And is anybody else tempted to hide behind the, if it's your will phrase? It's like the disclaimer. It's like the small print. I'm going to sign my name down at the bottom, but I'm not going to read any small print between. But I realize I'm agreeing to a whole lot of stuff that I don't understand. I've seen some really cool things. I, I remember watching my friend's leg grow one day. Remember, this was pre-church. You don't even have to wait till the end of service for these things. Like, don't even have to be the preacher. It wasn't. It was just a, it was just a guy. And, uh, and so my, my buddy had these bad back issues and bad pains and headaches and all this kind of stuff. And then he was looking at me and he noticed he kind of, how I kind of walked. And he's like, man, he says, sit down. And then literally his leg was off key, like a little bit. I don't know how I'm doing that. But anyway, he's like, you believe God can do a miracle? He's like, yeah. He's like, all right, watch this. And he just puts his hand, don't even touch his feet, and just begins praying and says, God, I pray that you'll even these legs out and straighten them so that all his back and all that kind of stuff will line up. And it was real short, just boom. And, and all of a sudden, this foot starts going, and I'm going, that's cool. Everybody else is like, you know, getting their welcome to church coffee mugs and all this stuff like this. And we're just sitting on the stairs watching legs grow. And I've seen some, what I'm saying, I've seen some really, really cool stuff. But I remember the first physical miracle that I got to be a part of. Um, one of them was, this, was as simple as you, um, this one guy that was in the skiffs who was near getting, near getting to the final days for performance. And he, I don't know what kind of sickness he had, but I, I, it, it, it had a projectile. You know what I'm saying? And so, and he calls, and at that time, to call didn't mean like, oh, let me check my text message. It's like, hey, the phone's ringing in the church. Somebody run and get it. You know, and so run, and like, I can't make it. I'm vomiting. And throwing all this stuff up. And so we prayed. And then the practice, he shows up. Which is typically a couple hours. An hour and a half to three hours, depending on what, where it was in the phase of it. And, uh, and like, whoa, what are you doing? And he's like, everything's gone instantly. Just better. Like, wow, I wanted to come up here to let y'all know. It's just, this is awesome. And so we asked, and it's like, well, when did it, you know, this wasn't like, this wasn't like a, I just threw up so I feel better for a few minutes kind of thing. I said, when did you start getting better? And he named the time, and we knew the time. And the time was the time we prayed. Is where it began. And it wasn't like a, he felt bad again that night. It was like, that was it. It was over. I can remember, I remember another story of, of a young man, of a man who was supposed to come and speak one night. And uh, it was a week-long deal. And uh, his father-in-law had come on one night and spoke. And God just moved. It was incredible. It was nuts. And, and so he calls his son-in-law, who was also lived in Lake Providence. They'd be coming down. He's like, you've got to get down here. And I can't. told you I'm sick. I can't drive. And he's like, I don't care. We're going to pray for you. You're going to be here. And so everybody just rallied and prayed. And then he was here the next night, and he's like, guys, I don't believe this. Like, I've never lost my voice and got it back, and I don't know what's going on. And just all the sickness and all the stuff associated with it just gone. And so anyway, so there, there was another. And I remember 
once when I was on my way to work, on my way to church, it was a Wednesday night, and uh, I'm driving in from work, I worked in Faraday, I'm driving home real quick, and, uh, and I see somebody that I knew, just, I just know them because, you know, when you live in Vidalia, you know everybody, right? Um, it wasn't like we were buds or boys or nothing like that, and, uh, and he was a good bit younger than I, and I saw him pop teas, and I was like, oh, nah, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk. And so I turned around and I zipped in. I'd never done this with him before, but he was well-known party guy, well-known, you know, the, the whole atmosphere. And uh, so I just pulled in and I'm talking to him like, hey, so how you been doing? How's college been going? What's it like to be home? Yada. And then it's just like, God's like, man, what are you doing? Talk to this guy. So, so I'm like, dude, when are you going to just give up and quit trying to live for everybody's approval? And everybody thinks you're cool, but man, what if you go to hell going for people's approval? What if you die tonight? Where are you going to be, man? You know Jesus loves you and he gave his life for you and you don't have to live this way, man. It's way better on this side of things than on your side. I know because I've been on both sides and I know where that. And he's like, okay, cool. And we're like, cool. And, and I, I left. Well, he went to his buddy's house, who his buddy happened to have junior high sisters, and the junior high sisters were at church. It was Wednesday night, and uh, they came in a little while later, and they were like, what did you say? I said, what are you talking about? They said, he came in all messed up, just wouldn't talk, and he's always the life of the party. He's the ringleader. He's all this. Like, we've never seen him so thrown off. Like, what are you talking about? Like, he wouldn't talk to nobody. He wouldn't laugh. He didn't enjoy all the, the, the dirty jokes and where the party was going. And it was like, Okay, and said, what did you say to him? I said, how do you even know that I talked to him? I said, well, we kept asking him, and I said, my brother kept asking him, said, what's wrong? And he's like, man, I, I don't know. I just, I talked to Danny at Pop T's, and I'm not going out tonight. I got to go home. I got, I got some things to think about. And it went so far as later on, I had other people come to me that said, hey, his mom said, whatever you said to him, come back by. Say it again, because it's like, Totally, this dude is flipping around. And, uh, and I wish the story progressed greatly, but it did go back later, and he just kind of made his choice. He's like, and he threw on the brakes. But God did what I'm saying, though. Still, God did a work. God gave the opportunity. God brought the conviction. And so it, to me, and I was like, I didn't know anything happened. Just rolled on, rolled on with the day. I remember, I remember another time, I, uh, this was, these were some of the first, a few weeks back. Um, Callie was in a lot of pain, and I, I don't remember the whole detail of it, but I remember she'd been down on her back, been pretty, pretty bothersome, pretty excruciating for quite a few days. And I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box, guys. I know I'm, I'm a preacher, and I'm a pastor, and I, and I get all that, but I'm just not the sharpest. And so after her, she hurt for about a week or so. I finally was like, oh, yeah, why don't you pray for her? You know, instead of just like, how you doing, babe? How you feeling today? Is it getting better, you know? Um, does anybody else get sucked into those conversations that go nowhere? Um, so anyway, she, we were, she was walking out of her room. I was walking into it. We're passing through in the house. And I, and I was like, wait a minute. And I just grabbed her and put my hand on her back. There's something to the scripture that says, you know, it, it's not all about the prettiness of the prayer. It says, you know what? You should lay your hands on the sick and they will be healed. And you may say, well, I've laid my hands on sick people that weren't healed. I don't know where you, where you break all that down. doesn't really matter. I just don't want to be stuck on the side of you have not because you ask not. And so... So anyway, I uh, just put my hand on the back and I'm like, Jesus, you know, heal her back, whatever that is, fix it, please, and let's go on. Amen. And so it was, what I'm saying, it was just very short. And I walked on, didn't think anything else about it. Well, a couple of days later, some of us around the house, our parents, she said, oh, I meant to tell you. 
The other day when you put your hand on my back, it immediately started getting better right then. It's like all gone. It's completely And I was going like, praise God. That's awesome. All right, I'm going to flip burgers or something. I'm like, that's great. But inside, I'm going like, for real? <laughs> you know, do you ever do that? It's like, you know, we got this outside voice. We got the inside to mind. And I'm like, praise God. I and mean, I was like, you know, because I, I had to be full of faith. I wasn't trying to fake it. I was trying to like make myself believe that I wasn't going for real in my head. And so... I walked away. I know, I know you are the most radical and the most faith-filled and the most always expecting people there are. I, I get that. But are there certain parts of your life that you would be shocked if a miracle actually happened? You know, in a in a in a faith-talking community, are there parts that we would still be shocked? Like, do you ever get in this place that maybe you believe God can't? I mean, can but possibly still also believe that he won't? Like, do you ever notice, maybe if, 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 if so, then maybe you can identify with this part. If you, if you ever identify with the part of like, I know God can, but I just don't think he will. And if you settle in that, there's something else that comes right behind it. Like, do you ever notice your life has a daily pattern that begins to talk more about the lack that you have rather than the fulfillment and the all things are possible with God that is made available. And if so, if these cards are stacking, then perhaps that way of believing has also created a false belief. A false belief. A false belief that, well, one day when I'm good enough, then I'll know how to pray right, know how to act right, know how to talk right, and I'll know how to believe right. And one day when, I, when I'm good enough, I know God can and God will use me. I'm just not there yet. And do you realize, I, when we take this journey of getting there and not there yet, have you realized this day that we're just not there yet, it seems to never come. As long as we hold it into that mentality. You know, well, what if today we just decide, you know what, that one day was today? That it wasn't, it wasn't when it gets here that it, that it actually is here. Maybe, perhaps maybe you've attended and you've been through what we call growth track or through next steps and maybe, maybe you've even, you said, yes, I'm going to volunteer and I'm all on board, but you never follow through because, well, really in the back of the mind, yeah, God can use, can do great things, but he probably won't do it through me because my me really isn't all that significant to matter. So we listen to the sermons, but we never become a part of the vision that God has for you. And sure, the Holy Spirit can use the church to reach 800 people, and sure, Jesus can use the people, but that's through the church, and it's not through me. And if you ever feel what I'm describing, but today you would like to make sure, and we would say, you know what, that's who I am. But that's not who I want to be. That's not who I want to be the rest of today or tomorrow or any to come. Would you just raise a hand and shout, say, yes, that's speaking to me. That's not who I want to be. Everybody say, that's me. I'm going to say me for a lot of the rest of the message today. I just want you to know the me is your me. Not putting Danny as the big me. I just don't know how to twist my English any different. But today, if you have enough faith to believe that Jesus is in me, for you. But don't know about the Jesus through me part. Jesus in me, but Jesus through me. Then I want to say today is exactly for you. Today, we move from wondering about Jesus through me to being a part of a miracle movement of Jesus today. You see, while you're thinking about 
what Jesus cannot do through me, I need you to know that without your me, there is no we. It takes a lot of me's to equal a we. And if everybody thinks their me is not significant, then we have no we. And this we, it only operates as a we with your me. Today, as we move forward, so to get you from me to we, to get us from me to we, I need to give you some warning signs. I need to throw out some disclaimer. Think of it like, think of it like the little buzz sign on the side of the highway. I'm teaching some of my children to drive, and they get like, that means get off of it, you know? Move over in the middle. But, you know, when you're learning to drive, the middle is scary, right? When you're coming down the highway, God bless these children. They're learning to drive on four lanes. They don't know about the two-lane days and small bridges and, well, but anyway, so, so think of it like that. Think about it. This is not even the yellow line. This is the buzz. And think about it as the reason they have barriers when you come up to a bridge. It's not to say, hey, there's a bridge here. It's to say, hey, if you run off, we're going to keep you from getting really hurt, okay? Um, so these are like warning signs, guardrails, if you will. And we see that as we will begin to see more of we, that it will also break our heart to see anybody that feels like they're only a me. And here's the warning signs. The most dangerous thing that anyone can do as a follower of Christ is to never open a Bible and yet build a faith still off of someone else's motivation. It's the most dangerous thing. And I know it's like, yeah, this, is, this one's like, uh, no, duh, okay, I get it. And to build, to build a faith off of someone else's motivations because what do we do? See, when, when, all, when I never open the Word of God for, for myself, but all I have is somebody else's motivation and somebody else's sermon and somebody's saying, which by the way, the entire New Testament is just somebody else's sermon. And we're breaking down their sermons and make them into many sermons. And so, so I, when all I have is to go off of somebody else's sermon or somebody else's clip or somebody else's nugget or somebody else's high five or somebody else's encouragement physically or from afar in any kind of way that it rolls, if all I have is that, it's pretty soon if I stay around long enough, I'm going to begin to see a flaw. I'm going to find a flaw because you know everybody has them. And when, what happens if, if, my, if my soul, faith, and motivation is built off of someone else's motivation and I see a flaw, then all of a sudden your flaw causes my faith to fail because, oh, it's just not what I thought it was. I thought, uh, surely I found somebody that was real and here again, I did not. Well, what about if there was a little more focus on, what about me in this? Second most dangerous thing. This is going to sound weird at first. It's to only read the Bible sometimes. Like, well, isn't any of it better than none of it? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, I don't know. I'm, you have to ask God about that one. But here's what happens when we only read sometimes. When we read sometimes, we don't understand the parts that cost us something. We only understand the parts that bless us that are blessings, and never the conforming choices that are called out. And so if all of I understand is the blessings, but I never understand the cost, then all I have is I can feel compelled to compare myself to a few moments, hero moments of others, because all I know is the hero parts. All I know is the feel-good parts, and I don't know the parts that require sacrifice. Like Peter in the Bible, for instance. 
arguably the most well-known disciple in all of the Bible and all of, all of history of, of the Christian world, arguably probably the most well-known disciple, both in the church and out of the church, secular and, and, and Christian, no matter what, what the flow is. And if we know parts, well, no wonder Jesus chose Peter. I mean, Peter was radical. Peter was just like, all right, I'm on board. Where are we going? Just leave everything and go behind. And maybe you've heard this before. Let, let me introduce you to Peter um, as he's pretty well known in Luke, Luke 5. It says, one day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. And he noticed Jesus. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Translation, they had been working all night long. They on the graveyard shift, and they are ready to eat supper and go to bed. Okay? And so he said, Jesus, he just decides, he steps onto one of the boats, and Jesus asked Simon, his owner, push this thing out to the water. So he sat in the boat, and he taught the crowds from there. Embraces. I, I'm a, I, if, if I'm Peter in that day, I'm thinking like, hey, it's nice to meet you, sir, but uh, I've been working all night, and I got sick kids at home, and my wife's been blowing my phone up all night, like, when are you going to get home? And my find my iPhone alert has been going off 13 times. And I, I, I really, I, I, I mean, I'm glad you got a crowd going here and you got something. And I see it's good and I support you. But um, I really need to go. But over here next to me, this is, this is Dallas over here. Dallas, he just got here. He's, they're not even going. His crew hadn't even got here yet. They're going to head out in a couple hours. He would probably, he would be okay. You could use his boat. And that, that's what I'm thinking. But Peter's like, all right. I'm going to push it out. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and we didn't catch anything and we've cleaned our nets. But if you say so, we'll do it. We'll let our nets down again. Or six. This time, their nets were so full of fish that they began to tear. A shout for help brought the partners in the other boats. This is the morning crew. And soon, both boats were, on the, were filled with fish, and they were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much a sinner to be reigned over some fish. One more verse. For he was awestruck. By the number of fish they caught. As was everybody else. As was everybody else. Notice this. As was everybody else. But we only got one guy speaking up like, Oh my goodness. And the others are going like, You know, they're not, they're not speaking. And we couldn't read that. And we can go like, Well, number one, I would have told Jesus to get somebody else's boat because I'm tired. I'm going home. Just polite, but still we could handle it. But Peter is so nice, and then after everything was clean and put away, he's like, okay, I'll dirty it all up again. And man, it's great that Jesus did the miracle that was completely unexpected. Peter's like, it ain't gonna work. But see, Peter was just, do all he was doing was not believing the miracles. He was just doing the right thing, so to speak. He wasn't expecting. He was just, he was just faithful. And Peter was not full of faith. He was just full of obedience. That was it. But then he just melts by verse 9. He's like, Oh Lord, I'm too much a sinner. Get away, I can't be around you. And this is the day that Peter leads behind 
his normal life and he leaves everything to follow Jesus. He goes home and says, honey, I gave the boats away and we're following him. Wherever, where are we going? I don't know. But where he goes, that's where we're going. And we're, it's easy to be deceived. And it's easy to be de- de- defeated before we begin if that is our interpretation of how it works out for every single person. You see, if you have FOMO, anybody know what FOMO is? Thank you! Nobody at 9 o'clock knew what it was. Fear of missing out. This is the highly educated crowd right here. I can tell. These are my blog reading, podcast listening crowd right here. All right, so if you have FOMO, the fear of missing out, then you know what? You're encouraged by Peter. You are like, yes, I get it. Because you're hype over everything because you're afraid of like, what if this is the big one? You know, you're the one that drops 80 bucks every lottery week. You know, it's like, but what if it's this one? But what if it's this one? You know, the fear of missing out. If you're a FOMO person, you love Peter because that's what Peter looks like. He's just like, ain't no way, but, you know, but what if? I don't want to miss out, you know. So he throws it in. But there's a key word in all this story, and it's in verse 5. No matter what translation you want to read in the Bible, it starts out the same with every single one. Master. Master. Master, it's a strange word for somebody who just walked up and says, can I use your boat? You know, I I get referred to uh, as a lot of things depending on where I am, depending on the person's background, depending on how they grew up and their culture. I get referred to everything from Danny. So to get around my more, my more Baptist background affiliated people, I'm Brother Danny. I get around more of the Pentecostal, more of the charismatic persuasion, I'm Pastor Danny. I get around some other culture, I'm just Pastor. And it's like, none of these are my name. My name's Daniel, but I get referred to as all these things. And so, you know, recently I was, we was at the day of prayer, and this guy comes up to us. And, and he says, thank you for being here. I'm like, thank you for having this. And I said, thank you, Sheriff. His name is not Kenneth Hedricks. It's Sheriff. Why? Because that's his position, so to speak. Now, he used to be other things. He used to be Mr. Hedricks. He used to be maybe Dad. He used to be uh, Mr. Kenneth. He used to be Deputy, whatever. But once he became Sheriff, you know what? He's just Sheriff. And that's it. That's where, he, where he's known on everybody. When I meet somebody for the first time outside church, nobody ever walks up and says, Pastor. Peter called Jesus at the first encounter, Master. What I'm trying to say is this. It's not their first meeting. In fact, you remember the whole water turned into wine thing? You know, and they, they bring the pots and, and they're full of water and they get there and they dip in the woo, this is the good stuff. When he turns the water into wine, Peter was there already. You remember we, we dabbled on this last week, but the woman who at the well and, and Jesus and it says, and he had some disciples and they had to go through there to this place called Samaria. And Jesus sits at the well and he tells this lady, he says, if you knew the gift of God that was here with you, you would ask me for something to drink. I would give you living water and you'd never thirst again. She just panics. They have the conversation. She runs into town, brings the whole city out for two days. They have a revival before they leave anywhere. Peter was there. Peter was there. I love church. People, amen. They don't even know what I'm talking about yet. And then Peter was there. Peter, in fact, you know what? Peter was already a follower of Christ in Luke 5. He was there when they turned the water into wine. He was there when the, with the lady at the well. He's there when the whole city came to Jesus. Peter actually, watch this. Peter actually, the only reason he even met Jesus is because somebody else met Jesus first. 
Let that one sink in there a little bit. The only reason we even know about a Peter knowing Jesus is because somebody else knew about Jesus first that we don't even know the first guy as well as we know Peter. Watch this. Let's back up in John chapter 1. Same, same, same starting out ventures for Jesus. We're just stepping a little bit further back. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John, John the Baptist said. What John the Baptist said, he says, you know, there, the, behold, the Son of God. There's the Messiah. And Peter, I mean, Andrew is a follower. He's, a, he's a, somebody, he goes to John the Baptist church. And when John the Baptist says, he's like, John's been nice knowing you, but I'm going with Team Jesus and I'm leaving Team John. And, and he follows, he, he realizes, and he says, we have, he goes and he finds Peter and says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard, and then he followed Jesus. Next verse. Andrew went to find his brother Simon, Simon, Simon Peter, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, this was their first encounter. Jesus says, your name is Simon. You're known as the son of John. But you're going to be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. Without an Andrew, we wouldn't know a Peter. Can I put your name in there in place for some people? Without a you, it would not be a somebody else. Without us, as a church, it would not be a them. Okay? Peter, up up until Luke 5 comes along, Peter's been involved in some outreaches. I mean, Peter, Peter, he he, he went through the next steps. He was on the dream team. Um, Peter, and he's out. Peter's serving on the parking team. That's why he's in the boats, you know, keeping them in the marina there. He's getting them lined up keeping everything so that the people, everybody will have their spot. And Andrew, Andrew was the first greeting team. You know, he's welcoming people in. Today's going to be your greatest day. Welcome home. You know, can't wait for what God's going to do, you know. And he's like, Peter, you know, he's, he's the greeter. And Peter has this weekend activity and, and going on. And he believes Jesus is the real deal, but Peter also has to go to work. Come on, you realize just because you get saved don't mean you don't have to work. And so he still has to go to work, and he has this normal life, and then he has this following Jesus life, and he has them both, and they're together, but they're separate. And can I say this? If all we know about Peter is Luke 5, then it's like, oh, I'm just not that kind of person. That's just not me. That's, I just don't get that. And I don't know how people just drop and go. And, but when you know the Peter of John chapter 1 and then Luke chapter 5, can I tell you this? This journey of following Jesus is more about the progression than it is the instant perfection. There's a perfection in your identity when you meet Christ. But there is a progression in your humanity of following Christ. There's a progression more than a perfection. Until this day in the boat, Peter saw Jesus, then me. Jesus does the miracles, I serve the miracles. Jesus does his part, I do my part. Jesus reaches the city, I help organize the meetings with the city. Jesus organizes the, the, the outreach, Jesus organizes the event, he, he organizes the rejuvenate, he gets all the little background stuff, and then I show up and I prepare coffee and I do my job. And so he, he prepares it and I serve it. And that's what he does his part and I do my part and I do my job for me and I do my job for him and it's a win-win. 
It was like Jesus does the supernatural and I do the natural. But when Jesus does the supernatural through what Peter only had naturally to offer, it became greatly convicting. There's something about if we're just willing to offer the natural parts we do have, knowing with you know what there in, 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 in all labor there is a prophet. Commit all your actions to the Lord and they will succeed. You know, there's something, there's something about, you know what, just walking in the surrender, even in the natural things. And then, you know what, Jesus will use the natural things to bring a supernatural thing. When you see a supernatural up in the middle of your natural, it gets incredibly overwhelming. Whoa, God just did that, you know. It's like, it's out of, it's out of this world. Can I tell you, seeing miracles through what had, only, had been the only thing that I had to offer, had been some of the most awakening moments in this world. Even when all I had to offer was some words. Luke 5, 8, he says, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm way too much a sinner to be around you. I'm way too much. By verse 10, Jesus replies, Simon, don't be afraid. Because from now on, I'm going to make you a fisherman. You know, like Andrew fished for you. You also going to do some fishing too. We're about to take this thing to a whole nother level. And so, you know what? Jesus and we. Jesus and we. Jesus and we. Jesus and we is a whole lot of me's with Jesus. The Jesus in us is Jesus and we. And it is a progression of learning to live a life of faith that is less of me consistently. Living the life that surprised, that living the life that is not surprised when Jesus does the miraculous through me. That's a pretty awesome place to be. Because Jesus, can you realize, Jesus and me in the body, it realizes, you know what, we're all, we're all, we're all on the same team. And Jesus and we, and we're two or three are gathered together, there I am in their midst. If any two ask and agree on anything, it shall be done. There is a power, the Holy Spirit that Jesus has given that is available whenever it becomes less of me. Living the life that isn't surprised. You know, the beauty of the Jesus miracles is this. The things that only he can do, he will do through you. Think about that. The miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, it was through some, so often through somebody's hands. Even if he prepared it, he allowed it to go through their hands to serve it. You know what, how about somebody tell them, say, you know what, Jesus is working in you. But how about somebody else and say, but it's going to cost you. I wonder this. Are we willing to embrace the cost? Where he goes from master to Lord. Master, sure. Lord, get away. I'm too much. I wonder, are we willing to embrace the cost where he goes from master to Lord and he becomes, because when he becomes Lord, he consumes us more. And the more consumed we are, the more we're willing to pay. And it's not, some, it's not a worse thing, it's just the more we're willing to shuck aside, the more we're willing to lay down, the more we're willing to sacrifice because it's like well, the, the taste that we have seen, there's nothing that I want to get in between that. I just, it's like a good lemon ice box pie, just, Come on, give me more, 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 you know. And for others to know him more, it becomes this consistent hunger and this progression. Jesus and we miracles happen with progression. It's not because of perfection. 
What happens when we know the parts? Remember we said, man, only reading parts is, the most da- is one of the danger zones. What when we only read parts? And when I only, when I only, when I only hit my, my stuff on high days and when I only read, go back to the parts that my grandma had highlighted in her Bible that she's passed down for the last three generations and none of us have read it, but we keep passing it down. But yet we know Jesus has done a work in us like he's never done before and I don't want this just to be a family Bible on a coffee table anymore. I know that there's a word of God that's transformed my life. I just don't fully understand that it comes from the words right here that gets the word in here and things become alive. What happens when we only know the parts is this. We see a Peter that we don't relate to just walking away from everything instantly. Jesus just walks up. Hey, come follow me. Okay. We see a Peter like in Acts 2.41. We love the highlight reels. We see that Acts 2.41 that Peter speaks one day and it says, and those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. 3,000 people got saved at his first sermon. That's awesome. I don't care who you are. It started from being accused to a drunk to reaching 3,000 people just in a matter of about a 15-minute sermon. We don't relate. Because it's easy to say, well, some people are like that and some people aren't, and I'm just not. I wasn't raised like that. That's just not my flow. That's not my personality. I'm just, you know, I'm a little cautious. I'm nervous, you know. I don't really know what to do. Um, I'm just not a Peter. I mean, I know God used Peter. That's why he's in the Bible. But, you know, my name wouldn't have been there. Because that's just how those kind of people are. You know what? Those kind of people is not who Peter was before Jesus used Peter supernaturally. Those kind of people is not who Peter was before he just said, yes, master, I'll do it. That's not the kind of person Peter was easily before Andrew came and said, we found the Christ. I want you to meet him. Because Peter wasn't any of those before Jesus used Peter supernaturally. All Peter knew up to this point was what he learned naturally and what he knew naturally was this work hard provide for your family believe in God go to church do it again work hard provide for your family be good go to church do it again work hard provide for your family be good go to church that was all that was natural that's that's what he had to offer but from the time of meeting Jesus there was a progression a progression, a progression of this, a progression of less of me and more towards me and Jesus. And as we move from, uh, from less of me to me and Jesus, then Jesus in me, I realize, is a we, and I'm not the controlling factor anymore. I'm not the ultimate decision maker anymore. And when Jesus calls us a we, can I tell you what? Anything becomes possible. When we begin to realize, you know what? That, that where Jesus says, you know what? And follow that I may be in them like you are in me. And may they do greater works than, than anything I have done. May they become to know you like I know you and like you know me. Father, he pray, prays this out in, in John. John 17 he says, Father, may they know you like I know you and may they know me like you know me. May, may you be in them like you are in me. There's something that happens when we embrace and say, you know what, I'm willing to take that journey. Away from work hard, provide for my family, do good, 
go to church when I'm willing to break away from my routine that I'm comfortable and willing to embrace and say Jesus wherever you leave me I'll go what you put in my mouth I'll say where you offer my hands I'll give them willingly the path that you lay ahead I'll follow there's something transformational that happens when we take everything that he's already naturally given and say I offer it all to you to say less of me I'm not giving my opinion about that's not the kind of person I am I'm not giving my opinion of that's how I was raised I'm not giving the I'm not I'm not I'm not going to give the excuse of what I've been through yesterday one of my children got in a lot of trouble and I decided I said, I'm about to work this dude hard today I did. And everybody was doing jobs, but I put him on something that nobody wanted to do. I did all day. You can say harsh parents or whatever. It's like, this is stuff that will not happen in our house. So we're going to burn a memory. That's Danny thinking. But my whole point is this. From the moment, for the very first time that I ever remember, from the moment I said I said did you and he went I said that's it about to work you today son you're going to remember this we don't tolerate that here he never gave an excuse he always gives an excuse he never gave a reason never gave a complaint and I never had to chase behind him for the rest of the day saying alright time to get back at it alright come on have you finished alright come on never had to chase back at him he just went so the result was the end of the day I said why didn't you argue back I'm wanting some big Jesus answer you know like well I knew I was wrong and there's consequences and I was like hey that's what I'm doing and so I'm going to do it well because I got myself here you know that's what I wanted but uh, he was just like <laughs> he was like I don't know, because you said to. I was wanting spiritual, you know, but it didn't come out. I believe, but it showed a spiritual transformation that's happening in my son. It was a moment where something happened, and he went, okay, I'm not going to bring me into the conversation. I'm just going to follow. You know, there is a beauty. There's a beauty that happens when Jesus leads, when we read his word, and the Spirit leads. When somebody comes along and they're off in that direction that you know is from the Lord. And we say, you know what? I'm not going to say, well, I only acted that way because of what somebody else did first. And because of how I've been treated. And because of how I've been acting. And because of how my parents was. And because of the addiction that's been pressed down. Because of what he said. And because of what she said. And because you don't understand. And because we got fired from our jobs. And we don't know what to do. And because we got all this pressure. I'm not going to give you that. I'm just going to say, all right, Lord been hard at it all night but because you say so I'm going to push out again I don't expect anything from it but I know just my simple act of obedience is getting me out of the way so I can see fully who you are I wonder today I wonder today who in here would say you know, I have worked really hard to be good, to get better, to do things well, to live a good life, to stand for the right things and against the wrong things, and to raise my children right, and be a good husband and be a good wife or potentially one day. And 
I tried to position myself very well, but the truth is, I also have resisted any moment of being pushed out of my comfort zone into areas that I may not know what to expect. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. But I'm just not that kind of person. And I wonder today if that's you. I would identify that as really not being a follower and maybe even a need for some soul searching for salvation right there. And could I invite you out today if that's you to say, God, I now realize that maybe I'm not perfect, but from the moment I choose you, there's progress. And I realize you see me perfect, but I also realize you're going to begin a progression in me. And that's a progression that I desire. And if it requires less of me, then I'll, you know what? I'm taking me out of the equation. I'm saying, Jesus, if you will lead me, I will follow. And I don't care where we're going. don't care what we're doing. If you lead me, we will follow. When I'm scared, I will follow. When I'm worried, I will follow. Because I'm going to trust you over me every single time. I'm giving you my whole heart. And with my whole heart, I'm also going to give you the parts of that I sometimes restrain called my whole mind and I will not invite my opinion I'm not gonna I'm, I'm gonna search your word I'm gonna grow in your word because I don't want to know the parts of you that feel good I want to know the parts of you that make me more like you on the outside just like you already see me on the inside by my faith I want to know the part that gets to walk this earth that you walked and gets to see the supernatural through the natural and gets to see I, w- I want to be the Andrew for some other Peters in the place and if that is you, and today you're saying, Danny, today is the day that I am moving past the religion into this kind of relationship where I am surrendering all. I trust in a Savior who sacrificed himself on a cross for me, that he took every single sin, washed it in his blood, and I am pure, I am spotless, I am without fault in his, in, in his eyes because of my belief. And today I am embracing that. And I'm saying, Jesus, it's always been me, but I am inviting you into me. If that is you all over the auditorium, I want to ask you right where you are just to simply take a stand to stand up it's kind of like pushing out in the boat it's kind of like pushing back out there and saying you know what? I, I, I've, I've, I've done I've been this route before I've been in these places I've heard things but you know what master at your word I'll push again 